We continue in our, our fall series. We call it Reset because we're talking about how do you and how do you change deeply and, and what do you change deeply. And this week, we're really focusing on the, the importance of our minds in regards to change and the importance of what we value in our default settings, what we believe. I mean, everything about your emotions, everything about your behavior all comes out of these default settings in regards to how you believe about things, how you see the world, your worldview, how, what you value, not just what you aspire to value or even say you value, but what you actually value. So there's probably no more important text about this than Romans chapter 12, uh, verses 1 and 2. And Paul says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So Paul is saying, when we change our mind, we change our life. This is why this whole idea of repentance is so important. This is what it means to repent, to change your mind. And Paul gives us a picture of what it looks like when he explains that we can move from our thoughts being conformed to the world to our thoughts being transformed by the renewing of our mind. As we are helping you and, and, and urging you to work through that repentance circle this week, that work through the repentance circle is actually your offering of yourself as a living sacrifice. This is, this is a sacrifice that the Lord desires. This is a pleasing sacrifice because it leads to sustained obedience. And that's one of the most important themes and one of the most important descriptors of the Christian life in all of the book of Romans, as he says it over and over again, the obedience of faith. This is, this is huge in terms of the descriptor for the Christian, that my life is a life characterized by the obedience of faith. Now, a living sacrifice, Paul says, offers daily our thought life to God so that it can be transformed, so that it can be renewed. Rob Bremer in his book, Soul Care, repentance is more than just a change of behavior. Biblical repentance is about changing your mind and purpose. It's about changing the way you think. It is about bringing yourself into alignment with God. When your heart, your behavior, your belief system or your thinking even, deviates from God's ways and doings, your soul gets out of alignment. This is, this is very dangerous for you to have a soul out of alignment in terms of your belief, your values. And it usually, usually it manifests in emotions that are destructive, or negative at least, or it manifests in behavior that is unwanted, behavior that's out of character with your life in Christ and your 
your new life in Christ. So repentance is about bringing our thoughts more and more into alignment with God. Rob said this, when you're not in alignment with God, your soul is subject to disease. And you could take it a step further and and be more specific and say, when your mind is out of alignment with God, it subjects the mind to disease, to twisting, to being less than fully healthy and, and, and fully alive. This is the reset that we're looking to focus on this week is, is to reset, realign our mind to God's way of thinking. And, and the promise of that is healing for our emotions. Um, I'm, realizing, I'm realizing something very specific as I'm going through uh, this series with you, that since 2018, three years ago, uh, in, in October, we found out that Lisa had cancer, that she had a tumor. And I, I, had, I was utterly shocked by that. It just took me quite by surprise when the doctor said she has a tumor in her stomach. It was like a punch in my stomach. And, and what has happened in those three years is, is because I, I love her so much, I'm way more attentive to her needs. I'm way more attentive to protecting her, providing for her, all of these kind of things. But it is it has created in me because I'm not I'm not always great at that kind of focus and I tend to use anxiety, not a high level of anxiety, but I've tended to use a level of anxiety for focus. Now the scripture doesn't say, hey, when your wife has cancer, you can have anxiety. The scripture says, be anxious for nothing. So my trying to deal with my wife's needs out of a power source of anxiety doesn't help her because it's not life-giving to her, but it's also not life-giving to me. So this reality of a disease that we've dealt we have dealt with for three years, she's cancer free, but she has to take these chemo drugs and they have consequences and side effects. The handling that with anxiety will not bring refreshing. It will bring other consequences, other side effects, both mentally and emotionally. And so part of what my personal reset application has been is, is, is that in some ways this, this anxiety has hidden itself to look like concern or to look like attentiveness. But as I have, I have brought my thoughts and I've brought my behaviors before the Lord, I'm seeing I need to bring the source of my care, the source of my love, my concern for my wife, in alignment with God because he loves her and cares for her and, and is ultimately the one who takes care of her. So I, I don't want to care for my wife's situation causing my soul to be out of alignment, which then causes my soul to be subject to all kinds of um, other lies or other problems. 
So we, we have to address, and truthfully, we have to be specific about the areas in which we need to change our minds. That, that here, I, I, in a way, my behavior is that I need to continue to care for and be attentive to my wife. She is going through something very real. But I cannot do it out of the power of ang- even a low-level anxiety, because the scripture says be anxious for nothing. So my mind has a need of a realignment, but my mind also has the need of renewal. And so part of my understanding of this change project of the reset is that not only do I not only do I confess and acknowledge the anxiety and and you see there there's really there's various reasons why God says be anxious for nothing. And the number one reason is it's truly painful and, and gives access to really, really tough decisions uh, that in a way by being out of alignment, you're not allowing the power of the Holy Spirit. You're not allowing the power of love and the wisdom of God to flow freely. Anxiety is, uh, is, is a symptom that you know, in a way, I'm not trusting God's provision, God's plan. I'm not trusting fully that his power will be enough or that his plans are enough for the two of us. So not only is it a, is it a twisted source of power, but it's a, it's, it's, it's a resource of pride, not a resource of humility. In humility... I can trust God without anxiety. I can care for people without being afraid even of, uh, of the future or afraid of my own inability uh, to care for and to fulfill the needs that my wife has. So anxiety, you see, is one of those things that manifests and it's subtle sometimes. And so it's one of those areas in which, for me, I cannot live in anxiety. I have to live in the fullest, fullness of the Holy Spirit. The opening up of my heart to anxiety is to open up my heart to all kinds of, of disease, in a sense, and, I, and to, uh, to the twisting of the mind, to emotions that I don't want to have. So I am being very specific in my change circle and I'm being very specific that my repentance circle is an act of living sacrifice to realign my mind with that which will transform my mind instead of that which will deform my mind. So this is a very specific area of my thinking where I've realized the need for change and my confession of that need for change is a verbal consent, Holy Spirit, be the power to change. Holy Spirit, be the agent of change. You know, Jesus is not anxious about Lisa's cancer. Jesus is not anxious about Lisa's physical condition. He loves her perfectly, cares for her completely, but he has no anxiety whatsoever. So the living Christ has given me his spirit. His spirit within me is not anxious about Lisa. And so instead of tapping into a worldly way 
of trying to deal with a problem. Instead, my union with Christ, the presence of the Holy Spirit, becomes the power to be both focused and attentive on my wife and to know that the resources and the supply is sufficient for all of our needs during these these days of our lives. Now, I, I don't want to leave Romans 12 without going even deeper into why our minds can be set free. Our minds can be set free from even the anxieties of this world or from the, the, the great cares of this world that trouble us because of what has taken place in Romans 1 through 11. As a matter of fact, these verses, Romans 1 and 2 of chapter 12, are a hinge between everything that is ours in Christ and now everything that Christ asks of us as we live this Christian life. Everything, everything from Romans 1 through 1, 11 is, is, is God saying, here's what you have in me. And now here's how I want you transformed by what you have in Christ. So let's dig into that just a little bit in our devotion today. At the end of chapter 11, in verse 32, Paul writes, God has consigned all to disobedience that he may have mercy on all. Now, let me unpack this verse because this is a really important verse. See, we, we live in a world that is not a world of order. It's not a world of obedience. It's a world of disobedience. As a matter of fact, one place Paul says, you and I were once under the spirit of disobedience in Ephesians chapter 2. But what Paul is saying here, and this is so important that we get this, this is a world that cannot, not just will not, cannot earn the favor of God. Because the, the people in this world, by nature, are opposed to God. So, there are two, Paul is saying, there are two things that you and I have within us, within our way of thinking, that must be rooted out. Now, when I shared with you my change project, I was talking about a very spe- specific thing, anxiety. But what Paul is talking about is is that within each of us, there are man-made religious thoughts in our default setting. In other words, self-salvation, self-earning, approval of God strategies. But there is also far more influence of the world on the way we think than the influence of the word of God. So we have man-made religion that has to be forced up so we look at it and we confess it. And there is worldly way of thinking, worldly power. Now, my anxiety can be both religious and it can be worldly, but it cannot be godly. And so what Paul is saying is God, God wants you to realize that within you there is disobedience. 
and it has to come up, but it's okay, he's saying, for it to come up because he's doing it so he can show his mercy to you. He's saying that the only hope that there is in the world, and and he's made it really clear, he's made it really clear that even devout people are in utter disobedience to God. Even religiously devout people are in utter disobedience to God and they're at the top of being the most obedient that humans can be and God is saying, no, they are consigned to disobedience because they do not, they cannot be approved by me. And he's, Paul is saying that the only hope that you have or anybody has is mercy. And I love the word mercy. I've always loved the word mercy because mercy means that God is withholding from me what I deserve. And this is God's default setting is that he wants to have mercy on the religious and the irreligious. He wants to have mercy on those who know that their minds are out of alignment and he wants to have mercy with those who don't know. But God's default setting is mercy. This is why you and I can throw ourselves into the repentance process, into the the life change project is because God wants to have mercy on the areas where you're out of alignment. He does not want you to experience sin sickness or heart sickness or mind sickness. He wants you to have the fullness of what it is to have all your faculties and to be in utter control of yourself. See, going forward, we have to understand that we live in this lost, disordered world. It's a world that does not know the glory of God and does not acknowledge his glory. And what God is trying to do in your life, not because you deserve it, but because he wants to do it in your life, he's trying to restore your glory and redesign your image in conformity with the image of his own son. But the, the, the interesting thing is, and I see this in my own change project, is the more transformed my mind is, the more compassion I have for lost people, the more capacity I have for those who are lost. And this is because I'm experiencing God's glory as my source. I want everybody to experience his mercy. I want everyone to experience God's glory as their source of life. And it's, it's this interesting in words that Paul puts at the end of, of chapter 11, verse 36, before he goes into Romans 12, he says, for from Jesus and through Jesus and to Jesus are all things. To Jesus be glory forever, amen. You see, as my mind begins to acknowledge the source, it's not anxiety, it's not anger, it's not fear, but the source is that, that everything in my life is from him and through him and to him. And instead of aligning with that which is not glorious, that which is temporal, instead uh, rejecting that, confessing that, renouncing that, I can realign my mind with the one from whom everything comes, through whom and to whom all things belong, and to him be glory forever. I can, I can realign my mind with the source of true glory 
so that my image, my life, my self-image, my self-esteem is not based on temporary things, but eternal things. Now, I have a silly illustration for this. Um, for many years, I used to take a group from uh, Risen King to Columbia. And I, I love coffee, but I especially love it when I have uh, received these, I have these bags they give me when I go down there of, of coffee from a region called Armenia. And they, they always send me back with these wonderfully fresh, you know, freshly roasted, freshly ground coffee from the region where it's, where it's grown and harvested. And what would happen is that I would have just just enough sometimes to to have my rich Colombian coffee until my next trip, and then I would get restocked again. But the the last time I went, I I, I got as much as I could, but I wasn't going back. So this was my last my last uh, you know bag of this Colombian gold. <laughs> black gold. And so I put it in my coffee maker and I didn't realize that I had not aligned the carafe appropriately to the coffee maker. So the coffee made my last, you know, my last grounds of that rich Colombian coffee, but it spilled out, missing the carafe and spilled out all on the floor. Here was the last of my precious coffee from my friends in Colombia, and it was all on the kitchen counter. See, there was, there was this wonderful coffee, but the carafe was misaligned. And so instead of receiving it, it spilled out. And what we're really, what we're really talking about here is God has his glorious source and resources for you. God has everything you need for life and godliness. And it is all about being in alignment to receive it and to live in it. This is, this is why we're in this reset, is we want to reset our carafe, align it so we can receive all that he has for us. Now, Paul says that you can be absolutely assured, you can be absolutely assured that this source is for you and that you can align yourself and you will have ample supply. And here's what he says, is that the mercy and the grace of God are tied to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, in other days, we have talked about, we have talked about how we can know, we can have assurance that we can move forward in repentance because we are forgiven. That we're not just guilt-burdened people. We're not just shame-carrying people, but we are people who Jesus died for. And we look to the cross and we say that forgiveness is real. But we can also look to the resurrection and say it is freely given to us. It is secured for us. Um, Jesus, in his humanity, uh, was humiliated in his human form. But in the resurrection, he is declared by the Father, this is my son, this is my son. Scripture says he was raised from the dead for our salvation. So 
It's the risen Christ, not the dead Christ, but the risen Christ calling you into alignment, both alignment to receive his mercy and alignment to distribute his mercy. And this is, this is probably one of my favorite phrases in all the book of, book of Romans. The purpose of the resurrection is to bring about the, the only attitude that God is asking of you. It's a, it is a phrase repeated in Romans called the obedience of faith. Now, this is, I know this is theological stuff and Lisa says sometimes I'm too theological, but I really believe that if you're going to change your mind, you need, you need deep and profound con- content. Now, in many ways, it is uh, content that is simple, but it's, it's still incredibly profound. So what God is asking of you, what God is longing for you to respond and align with is, is this phrase, the obedience of faith. Now, there's, there's a couple things that this means. It's, one, it's a, it's a very interesting construction in the Greek because it's, it's a form of grammar where the two words are equal in, in how important they are. So the, the problem with many of us is we try by our own strength and by our own power to present ourselves as obedient. Or there are people who say, well, I have faith, but they have no demonstration that they are obedient. So what, what this beautiful phrase says is that what God is asking of you is first and foremost to say, the focus of my obedience will be my faith in the life, in the death, in the resurrection, in the ascension, and in my Savior being seated at the right hand of Father. I trust that, and I trust it fully that that is the guarantee of my acceptance with God because Jesus is resurrected, because Jesus has ascended, because Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, then the Father has accepted his sacrifice as the payment for me. And that faith becomes rock solid. Even even though you may be struggling in this disobedient world, even though you may be struggling with some man-made religious thoughts or some worldly thoughts that are in your life, but your, your confidence isn't in how well you're rooting out the bad thoughts. Your confidence is in Christ's record, in Christ's obedience, and you're saying, that's my record. But you see, it's never a faith that is alone. It's never just faith that brings you only into acceptance, but it's a faith that begins to produce in you an obedience, a trust. You see, by believing in Jesus, it begins to produce a real obedience in you. See, when I fully understand, when I fully understand that he is raised for me, that he accepts me, that the Father treats me as if I were Jesus and treats me as if I was as righteous as Jesus and loves me in the same manner that he loves Jesus. When I accept that by faith, then can there be anything that he asks 
of me? That is too much? If I by faith receive his work as my record, if I by faith receive him as my acceptance with the Father, can he ask anything that's too much for me? That's why Paul says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is important. That's why Paul says, is there anything that in you that wants to continue to be conformed to this world? This world will not die for you. This world will give you no record of righteousness. This world will ridicule your record of righteousness, but it will give you no record of righteousness. This world will give you no power that keeps your mind or your soul from sickness. But by faith, you start to realize, I have been given everything I need for life and godliness. And what he's asking of me is not to make sacrifices, but to be the sacrifice. God is is not asking you to make sacrifices where you pick and choose. Okay, I'll sacrifice this, but not that. God is asking you to be the sacrifice. Just as he's asking you to believe that Jesus is your sacrifice, now he's asking out of the obedience of faith, will you trust me enough to present your body as a living sacrifice? Will you trust me enough to not be conformed to man-made religion, to not be conformed to world, worldly worldview, but will you be transformed by the renewing and the changing of your mind? I offer this to you today. I think it's really important. One of the most important therefores in all of the Bible. Therefore, because you have this faith in the record of Jesus, and you're accepted by God, and you are the object of his mercy. Therefore, in light of that mercy, I beseech you, Paul says, present your bodies, living sacrifices. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God bless you.